Okay, all right. You've landed on Island 49. I'm Weston Smith. This evening, I have a very special guest, the resident cap guru himself, Mr. Jason Hurley. Jason, sincerely appreciate you taking some time for me this evening. We'll get into all the pleasantries in, in just a moment. But this evening, I just think tonight's show is just well-timed. We're kind of distancing ourselves from free agency, heading towards the draft where the 49ers have 11 upcoming draft picks. And obviously, there's some cap that needs to be allocated to those individuals. We'll get into whether or not I think we'll make all 11 picks because I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, time will tell. But got a lot of questions for you. I think listeners are, are craving to better understand you know, really the cap ramifications we hear all the time about, like, the cap's not real, the cap's not real. Um, I think Jason's going to promise us this evening that the cap is very real, but there are ways to, to maneuver it from the, from the business side. So we appreciate you tuning in. Stick around. We'll dive right into it. All right. Back at it. So, Jason, again, first and foremost, sir, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you've been making your rounds. It's, it's yep. that time of year where you get the opportunity yep, to is. shine. But before I start playing the game of 20 questions with you and, and picking your brain, yeah. you know, tell my listeners kind of why you love this stuff, where they can find your information if they're curious around cat content for the San Francisco 49ers. Give me give me the whole shebang, brother. Okay, yeah. So for anybody that's interested in following me, uh, Twitter, at 49ersCap, and, of course, my website, 49erscap.com. Basically, I got into this as a hobby in the beginning. I'm just so intrigued with the business side of sports. I actually used to keep a notebook when I was in high school. I started this. Like, yeah, I kept a notebook, an actual pen and paper or pencil. I'm not sure which one it was, but <laughs> it's a notebook. It, it's it's that long ago, uh, oh, around the early 2000s. So I legit kept it from my mother because I thought it was geeky. I thought I was a geek. I thought I was a nerd. And now it's like, I don't care. Whatever. It, call me a nerd. Call me a geek. I don't mind it. You should have no shame in your game, my friend. Right? Yeah, exactly. We, we are all different creatures. We are made differently. We have different interests. And without your interest, there's no show this evening, right? So I appreciate right. you keeping that interest and hiding that notebook and, and see it to come to fruition. You know, I was saying this to you offline, Jason. Um, yep. I'm a big believer in in supporting content creators of all walks of life and in all realms. And um, I, I love what you put out there. I love that you take the time down to the individual signing. So if you are not following Jason, please go do such on Twitter. And what you will find is that anytime the 49ers make a new signing, his little Twitter at changes to the the updated <laughs> cap space so i mean it is live yep. real time indicating yep. as to where the 49ers cap situation for that current year presently resides yep. so that with that exactly. being said i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some low-hanging fruit here jason okay. tell the listeners 
as of March 28th, 10.07 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What's the 49ers cap situation look like? Right now, it's $2.5 million under. That's before the Matt Pryor signing. That's probably a, min- a ver- veteran minimum deal. So it won't count much against the cap at all, if, if it does. Count. Okay. Because only, only the top 51 salaries count in the offseason. Perfect. Let me ask you, 2.5 and change. Yeah. 11 draft picks upcoming. Mm -hmm. Is that enough to sign all 11 picks? Yes, it is. And I'll tell you why. To sign our draft picks, if we end up keeping all 11, which who knows, we kept all of our picks last year. We didn't trade, so it could happen again. To sign them all, we would need around $700,000 top 51 cap room wise. And that's because while the, the, the third round picks will count, will count on the top 51, that means three players making 870,000 will go down off of it. So it kind of like replaces each other. And then the only only part of the day three picks that will count is just their prorated bonus for that year. But all when when the season is set, when the rosters are set, they do need nine point seven million. But right now they don't need that at the at this time. Got it. So that's more come September or come camp. They'll exactly. need the nine point seven. Yep. Yep. Once once the final roster is finalized that's when they need to have that all that money so i'm not a math major but i like to think i'm pretty decent with numbers here if we're sitting at 2.5 today and we're mm-hmm. going to need 9.7 right so 7.2 has got to come from somewhere as we get closer mm-hmm. to camp yep what are where where is it? What's most logical where that money's coming from? Is it really just the the long term extension and massive contract that Bosa is going to get that's going to lower his cap number for twenty twenty three? Is that the most logical candidate? That's the most logical candidate. Yes, yeah. Bosa, his extension will create a good amount of cap room. It's probably they'll probably probably be able to get it down to around ten to twelve million. Okay. So that's five to seven million, I think, saved. That's five, yeah, five to seven million they can save. It depends on the amount of the signing bonus they give him. If he wants a big signing bonus like 35 million, then it's just going to depend on the proration, the prorated portion. Because signing bonuses do not count against the cap, right? Well, they. They in don't, some capacity. They only count against the cap because of the prorated the, the prorated portion counts. So when a player gets, say, a $30 million signing bonus, or let's say $15 million to make it easy over three years, he gets $15 million signing bonus. He gets written a $15 million check. It may not be all paid right away. Some teams, they pay it. Actually, most all, all the teams like to have a payment schedule, a payment plan, basically. They pay the player certain 
you know, by the end of the league year, it's all paid to the player. So five million of that, fifteen million would count this year, and then another five million the next year, and then five million in the third year. That's how the proration works. Okay, got it. No, that makes that makes sense. So this, these are some of the things that I'm confused about too, right? Because like, in the world of, we've seen this all the time with like tom brady right why, why was tom brady never one of the the highest paid everybody says he's the goat why was he never the highest paid player in the nfl because he like restructured his contract time and time again mm-hmm. which usually meant huge signing not a huge signing bonus just a huge just converting it to a signing bonus right versus salary yep, yep. but there's mm-hmm. got to be limitations to this right because otherwise why wouldn't owners just be like oh you know what i'll stroke 160 million dollars this year in signing bonus checks right on restructure so i have another 160 million dollars to go sign superstars right what what are the restrictions and limitations to this uh restrictions and limitations would be first off teams have to have a certain amount of cash that's the money when you're looking at cap versus cash the cap is what counts against your cap. The cash is what the player makes over the year. Like if we had a regular job, we'd make whatever. You know, that's what we're bringing home. So the cash they have to have, I think, they a contract has to. They put like seventy five percent of it in escrow. So things get muddled up and. It's very hard to really explain it, but teams have to have um, a certain amount of cash. They have to have enough cash to actually pay out the signing bonuses. So a couple years ago, the Raiders, they, um, they're one of the teams that are the most worst-run worst franchises. Not I mean, shocking. no disrespect. No, not shocking at all. No disrespect to Mark Davis or anything, but when they would sign free agents, people were like, well, they're interested in this guy. But people, they you would hear like Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter say, they can't sign them because they don't have the cash set aside. It all comes, cash is king, basically. Yeah. You have to have that money set aside to pay out that kind of signing bonus. Got it. So there's got to be some liquidity, right? And yeah, sitting in the yeah. bank account. Yeah, you have to have that okay. sitting there each year. And, and this is what I think sometimes, I don't want to say the average fan, but some fans, right? Even myself, I'm, I fall guilty to this from time to time, is – I, I mentioned, you know, in the intro that we're kind of disting, distancing ourselves from free agency as we we move forward mm-hmm. towards, you know, free agency is always continuing all the way up through camp in some yeah. capacity. Right. But like the the event yeah. of free agency, uh, we're, we're distancing ourselves and we're getting closer to draft time now. Yep. Like every fan. Right. You always want your team out there signing the best of the best, right? And why am I not active on day one? And why can't, like, I mean, 49ers, right? We'll talk about this in a little while because I want to get your opinion on it. But, like, we sit in quarterback controversy hell year over year under the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era. 
you know, you see Lamar Jackson out there, and I know we don't have the the collateral, right? But like, right, we certainly don't have the compensation based on who we have on our roster as as well. So, I kind of, I guess, where I'm going with that is love for you to explain like why teams just why it's a beautiful thing that there's a salary cap and keeps this league under control and how come it's impossible for these teams just to go, you know, compared to the NBA, right. Where you could just build superstar teams and pay a luxury tax and move on. Yeah. In the NFL, the salary cap is a complete hard cap. Can't go over it. The only time you can be over the cap is during the period after the Super Bowl up to the beginning of the new league year, which was March 15th. Then you have to be cap compliant. So the reason why you know people are saying like, oh, let's sign this guy, let's sign that guy, you just you got you don't have the um, you you don't have all this cap room set aside. Boy, this one's a tough one. Um, the was a tough one for me. Brain's going like. But it's those numbers. Yeah, yeah, thing. I hate asking this. Can you re- just repeat the question? Yeah, like I'm, where, I, where 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 you were going? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was so much in fair ask. I, I don't know if it was so much as a question, just more like your thoughts on to like, I guess where my question was really leading, Jason, to take a step back is yep. the difference in the NFL versus like the, M- oh, the NBA yeah. or MLB yeah. is the hard cap. Like what are the ramifications yes. should you be over the cap prior or post March 15th? Have we ever seen that, right, of the, the league? No, no, you can't be over the cap because they will deny any type of transaction that would put you over the salary cap. Got They'll it. deny it. And if you do make a move that would put you over it, I think they give you one day, 24 hours to get under the cap. Got it. So say the team wants to sign this player, they don't have the cap room, but they have to make the cap room by restructuring a contract. So they do that, and then they can sign the player. Got it. Basically, this, this would happen if like a train happens. Like, yeah. like, like, I don't know when it was, it was during the draft, but we had traded with the Colts, and people thought we traded for Dwight Freeney. Remember the edge rusher? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, well, we're that would put us over the cap, but you have 24 hours to get under the cap. So, and it really only matters with trades, because when you sign a player – if you're not under the cap or if you don't have enough cap room, that's where you're going to have an issue. They're going to deny it. Yeah. See, I, I've, I've never, to, so I'm, I'll be 40 in two months. Right. And I've been following the NFL for 35 years. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember anybody being, I know there's been horror stories of the day before the league year. They're really, really close. And these general managers yep. and CFOs are scrambling um, to restructure, but you, 
you make a good point about like, hey, you have 24 hours, right, to do that. Yeah. And usually that comes in the form of like, hey, when you're scrambling, we see a lot of this restructuring taking place exactly. of, of existing contracts. I know on paper, like restructuring, like, okay, coming into this offseason, I, I want to talk about the Javon Hargrave signing in a little bit, but, you know, people are like, hey, you can restructure Trent, Eric, Kittle, uh, McCaffrey, Warner, right? You go down the list and you're like, you can restructure right. all of these people. But in my opinion, and keep me honest here, I might be entirely wrong and I'm totally fine with being corrected. But yes, restructuring, like we saw it with Charvarius Ward, right? Um, you know, get done already this year, freed up some money. Yeah, yeah, Fred. Yeah, um, but the these like to me, restructuring is really just kind of like kicking the can down the road. Like eventually, like you're just the yep. way I interpret it is like you're erasing mm -hmm. a deficit for the present year, but you're creating a larger deficit in years to come. Is that an accurate? assumption related yeah. to restructuring yes. that is accurate it's like borrowing from the future you're borrowing money from the future cap and yeah you are kicking it down the road so that is a accurate assumption that's basically what it is with, with restructuring i mean it, if the, it, if the 49ers want to restructure all those contracts they're looking at like losing close to like twenty million in cap room next year. They would have lost. That's a lot of money, and that's dead money, right? Like that's nothing that you like. That's considered dead money. That would be basically prorated bonuses. So basically, you can't get that money back because you just paid it out to the Got player it. on a restructuring. Sorry. Got it. No, this makes sense because yep. I look at I look at the. You know, like Trent's contract, right? He carries the largest cap number right now. I think, what is it, 26, yeah. 27 million, something like that? Yeah, it's around there. Yeah, it's like For, 27. I mean, a Hall of Fame player, but how much yeah. longer is he going to play? Like, right. do you want to be – you don't want to be in those scenarios where you're still paying paying the piper in some capacity, whether it's going directly to him or it's just dead money against your number. For a player that's no – we saw this at as 49er fans at the swing of the mm -hmm. century, right? Like yep. the, during the Garcia mm -hmm. Owens years after, you know, while Mooch was there that we were yep. in cap purgatory for a little while paying players that were two, three years removed from our roster that were still hurting us in the salary cap. Oh yeah. During the early time, uh, the early two thousands, the team was in cap hell. Literally. <laughs> Cap purgatory would be nice way of saying it. <laughs> the bad way of saying it is they were in cap hell. They didn't have the ability. I mean, I remember watching the draft and seeing like the 49ers don't even have enough players under contract to make a top 51. No. It was that bad. And they would restructure this guy and that guy. They, they restructured everyone. I remember they would restructure like, uh, Terrell Owens, Jeff Garcia, uh, Newberry. They structure uh, JJ Stokes. They they did everybody that they could just to get under the cap. And a big part of what really led to this was while Eddie DeBartolo was a great owner, 
he wasn't great business-wise. He did a lot of under-the-table deals, which is why the Niners got in trouble. They got penalized with draft picks, money. Eddie had to sell the team to his sister. So that's where it really started. And it was just a domino effect. Started to just one after one, one by one. This just, it just got terrible. You know, the team got terrible. Then the salary cap, and he just couldn't get out of it. And finally, you know, give Prague his, his just dues because he's done a great job getting the team into where I consider the cap to be very, very healthy. You bring up a great point. Not even a question I th- was thinking to ask you, but since you just brought it up, well, first, <laughs> before I ask the question, you bring up Eddie DeBartlow, who, I mean, mm-hmm. God, us longtime 49er fans, like, how do you not love that man? Like, he was the epitome yeah. of, like, a if there was ever such thing, uh, an owner's, a player's owner, right? Like, they all loved him. They swear yeah, by him. Yeah. Like, he was that kind of guy, This you know, kind of supporting in Bill Walsh with the standard of excellence and uh, like the, the, the travel professionally. And this is a business and work. So when I was a kid and I mean, a young kid, we're talking early nineties. I wrote a letter. My school teacher was like, Hey, write a letter. Um, and whoever you want to send it to. And here I am like nine years old, sending a letter mm-hmm. to Eddie DeBartlow jr. Eddie didn't respond, but the letter actually came from. So if you remember this name, Carmen policy. That's who the letter came back from. Now, I, you know where I live. I'm in New Jersey, right? When Hurricane Sandy came, all of my stuff used to reside under my parents' like house, and they had a basement, like not a basement, but they had the uh, like their house was raised, so all the storage was underneath it. And during Sandy, everything. There's no even history of me like playing a sport ever in my life because all the trophies. But besides the trophies, Mm -hmm. this is the thing that I am most upset about. Was a probably typed by his secretary, but at least signed, right. I like to tell myself, by Carmen policy, right? And that was like my validation right. of like, this is how long I've been a 49ers fan, <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because I remember as a kid, I wrote a letter to the 49ers and it was for Terrell Owens and I got something sent back, like a photo of Terrell Owens that was supposedly signed, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't actually Terrell Owens' signature, re- real signature. It was that facsimile, whatever yep. that, that that reprinted. But I thought I thought that was cool as can be. Just the you fact know, that even, they respond, right? Let's call it what it is. It's yeah, probably like the, yeah. the equivalent of today's like docu sign, right? <laughs> like it's just already yeah. in there. You click the button and goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were the days, man. You know what I mean? When you can just yeah, like pen were. to paper, right? Lick the envelope, put the stamp on it, send it in. Nobody does that anymore. I um, mean, they nope. responded. That's one of the reasons why I love this yeah. franchise as much as I do. Me but too. I regress. You mentioned Parak. A lot of us fans yeah. will coin him as like this mathematical genius. One thing that I have noticed that is consistent with him is from an outside perspective. It seems like even our superstars take quote unquote team friendly contracts, which 
listen, they're under no obligation to do this whatsoever, right? These all of these professionals have a very short window to earn a stupid amount of money. And I'm of the school of thought of like, go get it. Right. The average shelf life yep. of an NFL player is like three years. Go get paid whatever you can get paid. But but why? Like, what do you think it is about either Parag's negotiation skills or the feeling they get inside the clubhouse, considering they live in the state with the largest level of income tax? Right? So they see right, less of this right. money that they take team friendly contracts. Like, what do you think is in his secret sauce or how he structures it? that makes it appealing to both the team and the player. I want to say the fully guaranteed money that he gives out, that, that the team gives out to the players, they will give a good amount of fully guaranteed money to get a player to sign, like Javon Hargrave. They brought him in. Four-year, $84 million contract. They fully guaranteed $40 million of it. Now, like you're saying with star players, like – um George Kittle, Fred Warner, Devo Samuel, they all got extensions. And those looked team-friendly. They, they, they do. They are. And I really believe that it's not just Prague doing his thing. I think it's really that this franchise has made a culture that's just so desirable to players that they want to stay. Even if they're taking less money. Like Hargrave said, he, he took less money to come to the Niners. And, or the report is anyway, we won't really know if the Browns really offered him more. And the same thing with Jake Brendel. That's the rumor. Um, so, really, it's just the team culture. Yeah. That is, that is a big big part of it. And I think with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and it goes beyond them, but them, Rog, you've got Jed. Jed has really changed over the years. He went from being an owner that you couldn't stand to an owner that really cares about winning now. No. Not about saving money. So... Whatever they did, they they made a culture that to, that players love, and and I appreciate them for it, right? Because you don't see, yeah, you know, like you see the even the relationships that like coaches who have departed still have with the coaching staff. You see the relationship that players, right, and how they engage with each other on social media. You know, whether it's I call them the 49ers of the Southeast, right, the Miami Dolphins. Um, you just see like the interaction back and forth between these players. So, you know, they, there's there's a, yep. a, a brotherhood, for lack of a better term, yeah. that's established. But yep. I'm always baffled by Parag because I think he always gets the knock of like we do tend to with our superstar players kind of drag these negotiations into the 25th yeah. hour. Like Bosa have. I don't think Bosa hold, I think we get it done in time and he's not holding out. But this thing's not getting ironed yeah. out till the middle of training camp, right? Like he's not going to suit up the first couple of weeks of training camp and nor should he, he shouldn't be out on the field. No, Nick, Nick should not be out there until he gets his guaranteed money. He should be like what Debo did. Nope. Do things on the sideline. That's it. If I was his agent, I'd say, do that. Show up, be a team guy, but do your own thing. 
your teammates are going to understand that you're trying to get paid and you know it's going to happen these contracts don't end up happening overnight it is a long process with your star players that you brought in and have developed and have a close bond with like you know Adebo Samuel he has a close bond with Kyle Shanahan so with Nick Bosa, it it's going to take a while. And even John Lynch, I think, said that it, it, it will take a bit, a bit of time to get the contract done. It, it, I mean, he's going to become the highest paid defensive player in, in the, the history oh, he, of the league. And he'll be replaced next yeah. year by the next person up. We know how this goes. Um, yep. But those are nickel and dime contracts, right? And there's going to be a lot of... Look, there's going to be a lot of guaranteed money. But I think this brings me back to like Javon Hargrave, right? Like when I look at numbers, I see a cap number of 6.6. I see a guaranteed salary of just over 2 million. And then you see like, you know, workout bonuses and in game bonuses and things of, you know, per game bonuses, I should say is the better term. But if you do the math, like what's, what's his per game? Something like, Three quarters of a million, right? Like seven fifty per game. Yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand. It's seven hundred and fifty thousand over the whole season. So whatever it is. Oh, that's for the whole season. That's not per yes. God. No, no. Okay. That's that's the whole so let's do this then. Let's do because this is where I, I get confused. So let's say the whole season he can earn an extra 750 grand by playing in all 17 games. Or I'm sure there's a threshold, right? It's probably like a minimum of 15 or 16 games or something cute in the verbiage that we might not know. But let's say he can earn 750,000, but he has a guaranteed salary of 2 million. So let's just round up for even math and say that's $3 million with his workout bonus for the year. So why the cap number of 6.6? Where's that extra 3.6 come from? That comes from the prorated signing bonus. Because he got a $23 million signing bonus. Oh, got it. So that is the reason where that other money comes from. Now, with Hargrave, he's going to... I like to talk about... um, cap versus cash the cap is what you're spending each each season so his cap number is 6.615 million so it's just over 6.6 million he's taking home more than that because he got that 23 million dollar signing bonus it's probably in a payment plan like i said earlier so there's going to be a payment where he'll get all that money by the end of, it could be by the end of March he could get it all. Okay. That's the type of type of thing that I'll never know because they don't talk about whether or not whether or what the payment plan looks like. I mean, you've got ex agents or former agents, I should say, like a Joe Corey who writes for uh, CBSSports.com. He goes in depth about everything and his articles are great and the things that I've learned is amazing. He's amazing though just he'll 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 really 
interact with you on Twitter when you tweet at him. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you what's what, if it's possible, if it's not possible. He's a great guy to follow, too. Okay. Like that. Plug in somebody else that I did not know and know that you can get some, some valuable information. So resident cap guy. That's what I like to call you because yeah. that's how I talk about you. Is, yeah. If you look at the Hargrave, because I'll be honest with you, I think prior to the, the Mooney Ward restructure, a little bit of Fred restructure, and there is a difference between restructuring and extension. There's a drast- there is a drastic difference, correct? Yes. Restructuring your contract means you take a portion of your base salary – and convert it into a signing bonus, and then you prorate that money over a the maximum is five years. So what the Niners have done there is they've added in void years, which are just basically dummy years. They don't exist. They're just there for cap purposes. So they save the most amount of money that they can save. So with like Mooney Ward, it was like nearly $10 million was the maximum they could save. It was like 9.98 or something like that. It was like so close to 10 million. It literally was. And then with extensions, extensions, you can save money, but that guy is getting a new contract that, you know, basically he's getting a pay raise. Yeah. He's, he's, he's getting more money now. He has a new average per year. So when Nick... Nick Bosa signs this deal. It'll come in at least $35 million, maybe forty. million. I don't know where it's going to come in at. But it will be ridiculous. And then you have also pay cuts. When a player will take a pay cut to, to stay with the team. Now, it's happened with the 49ers. It happens very rarely that the team asks a player to take a pay cut. You see it more with teams that are really run great cap-wise. So there are three different ways of four, – four ways of gaining cap room. A restructure, an extension, a pay cut, or outright release or trade. Yeah. So, And we've seen this, right? Like. Okay. Yep. With releases and trades, like there's the designation pre-June 1, post-June 1 – you know, and they all yep. they all mean, you know, certain things and what they carry against you. So where I was going with that, look, we are we are pet friendly on yeah, Island 40. Yeah. No, no apologies, man. This is this is the real yep. world, this is the world we live in, and and I welcome it. Um, I told you before we got started, I got two of my own. Yep. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. one of them's passed out, the other one's probably laying in bed with my wife. So we're we're straight at this point. But um going into I think if memory serves me correctly, pre any restructurings for Mooney and Fred or anything like that, walking into the league new year, first day of free agency, what were we like? Six million and change uh, um, below the cap? Uh, yeah, we had about six, seven million in cap range. Okay. So I pegged the 49ers to be very prudent. In their spending, you listen. I, I know right. we're fans, and I'm not being biased here, but this this roster is loaded with superstars, right? Across all different oh, positions, yeah. all pro players. I yep. I pegged us to be more in the the market for like gaps, right? Like plug and play individuals, reclamation projects across yep. the D line, which we did. But with the 
yeah. Javon Hargrave floored, floored with this signing, not expecting it. Right. I have to imagine you weren't right. expecting yeah. it either. I, 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 I said online, I said repeatedly, the 49ers will make a splash signing. I did not think it would be Javon Hargrave. Had no idea. When I was watching Free Agency Frenzy on NFL Network, and that came across, I was like, I actually saw it on Twitter first, so I had to see, is it real? And it was real, because, you know, you've got a lot of people on Twitter that like to spread news that's fake, you know, like, oh, Lamar Jackson's been traded here, or the 49ers have traded this guy and that guy. You know, they treated Trey Lance, you know, it's like, and you, and it looks like it may be Adam Schefter, but it actually is at Aiden Schefter. Yep. So it's like, it's not Schefter. And people get fooled into believing that that's actually happened and signings actually like that. So it's crazy. Well, when I saw it come across my phone, I my phone was blowing up right like so I'm I'm from New Jersey I'm a diehard San Francisco 49er fans I'm actually a New York Giants season ticket holder inherited them from my grandfather so my whole family is New York Giant fans right so everybody blowing me up oh you guys sign Hargrave and I, of course I'm seeing the the notifications across my phone I'm like bullshit like this is coming from some yeah. false thing turns out it was right but you mentioned the Aiden Schefters of the world, right? Which also just affirms for me yeah. that people have far too much time on their hands to go out of their way yeah. to like spend time doing this stuff to be like, fooled you, you know? And I'm just like, I, who's, I mean, yeah. I know you don't yeah. got time for that. I know I don't got time for that. What are we doing? Yeah. Here? Exactly. So, yeah, no. Do you think the the structuring of Hargrave? So you think about it, like an eighty four million dollar contract. What was it? Sixty million in guaranteed or something along those lines. In year one, he carries a cap million. number of what was it? Forty million fully guaranteed was what he got. So half of his contract essentially guaranteed, right? Yeah. But you see a six point yep. six number against the cap, and you're like, "How do we work that out? How can they do it? How yeah. they do that? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's." That's what I call the magic of Prague. He works the cap. He does it so the first two years are low cap hits. And then the the, the later years are more cap heavy. So he's got like over 20 million here uh, cap number. It's like 23 something. I'm not exactly sure right now. It's been so long of a day. Yeah. So. <laughs> so long. Two weeks in the NFL is an eternity <laughs> during yeah. free agency yep. with all the names yeah. that come in. So riddle me this, sir. We are getting, as I mentioned, right? You feel comfortable that we have enough money based on the way the top fifty, you know, the top fifty-one like draft is a non-concern. But right. I still think there's still some holes to plug, and I think there's some players mm-hmm. out there. I won't name names because but, but let's just say by like positions that I think that they might test the waters on because that's when we see like I'll call it wave X of free agency where right. it's like post draft. I didn't get who I wanted. I didn't fill the gaps that I wanted. What names are still out there? And that's where you see like I mean like we know Jadavion Clowney's floating out there. Just big names. Do I want us to sign Jadavion Clowney? No, I don't. 
But what I'm saying is people like him who do carry a name and a legacy to them, they don't get done till after the draft. They don't get done till the summer because teams need to shake out. So for us, obviously to to even test the waters on somebody, some money is going to have to free up along the way. So when you look at this roster right now, based on current cap numbers, who are the prime candidates in your mind for restructuring, but also that don't cause a super heavy burden two and three years from now when they might not even be on this roster? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Because he's on the roster for the next three seasons. He would save over eight and a half million if they redid his contract. Um, the other one is Eric Armstead, and I'm not really fond of the idea of restructuring a guy twice, like back to back season. Yeah, yeah, he got yeah. restructured last year, and that's why I'm not even going to mention George Kittle because I don't want to go there. That's another one that I wouldn't touch, and I won't touch Trent Williams. He did it last year too, so I don't like the idea of. I don't like the idea of restructuring contracts in multi in consecutive years, and I also don't like restructuring contracts of older players. Now, a Ward, a Warner, and a McCaffrey—they're young, they're younger, much younger—and that 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 to me, if you're going to restructure a contract, you better be sure that that player is going to be here two to three years down the road. Otherwise, we're looking at 2002, 3, 4, and 5 all over again for the 49ers. And yeah, we don't want to be the New Orleans Saints where they're 100 million last year over the cap, and then this year, 62 million over the cap. Just they had to shed so much money, and they are just kicking it down the road, and they're going to pay the piper. We saw the Rams, the Rams have finally. They sent something out to their fan to their season ticket holders saying, you know, we abused the cap. This is the problem. You know, we won, but the cap, you know, we uh, we have to do what we have to do. Jalen Ramsey, he's gone. Yeah, Bobby Wagner, he's gone. Yeah, you know, I I tell you what, I'm gonna be honest with you right now, dude. I, I, I. I more than anything want my team to be relevant all the time, right? Like I love the football season. I love when my team like is playoff bound and wins a couple games. Right. Am I greedy and want a Super Bowl? Damn right. I want a freaking Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, of like I judge the success of the Super Bowl, uh, excuse me, of the football season based on how many games I got to watch my team play. And I don't miss games, but I'll tell exactly. you, right. I trade spots with the Rams right now in a heartbeat if it meant lifting number six because, dude, I haven't seen a Super Bowl since I was 11 years. I mean, a one Super Bowl hoisted Lombardi. I was 11 years old the last time I that was, happened. I was 10 years old in 94 when we won the last one. Yeah, I was so, al- yeah. I was 11. And yeah, it's been a long time, man, and I'm starting because yep. this window, because this is going to be my last question for you, I promise, but this okay. window – in the NFL gets smaller and smaller. And smaller. remember when we were growing up, free agency wasn't really a thing, right? Like, no, it, was, it wasn't. No players stayed it on really teams wasn't. forever. Unless the team was just yep. like, I don't want you anymore. Like go somewhere. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. Thing, you could buy a jersey of a player and wear it for the next 10 years and not even have to worry about it. I have a rack of exactly. jerseys over here and a bin of them that are full of, pe- full of people. Like, here's a true story. I was cleaning out the trunk of my car the other day, and I found a Reggie Bush 49ers jersey. It's probably been sitting there folded in this wow. plastic bag for what? When was he last on the Niners? 14 2014 yeah 14 or 15 yeah, yeah. 14. so that's how long yeah. it's been sitting there right like and yeah. it was it was good for one year <laughs> not even it was good for yeah. three games that's yeah <laughs> so yeah he tore his acl and then the soup or whatever dome that's called yeah going what is it now the mercedes no that's atlanta no yeah mercedes bent right in new orleans is that where he tore it no and uh, st st louis Oh, that's and right. He, that's right. He, he he even sued the Rams and St. Louis. I hope the, he won. The, the, the stadium, yeah. Because that really cost him a lot of money. So potentially. Let's my final question is I just mentioned that the the window here is small. So when you look beyond twenty only twenty twenty four, and you've been talking a little bit about this across Twitter as of late and posting about twenty twenty four cap scenario. When you look at it. I know we have people signed through 2024. A lot of the superstars maybe like, I think this might be the last year for Juice. I'm not, I'm not 100% certain. I'd have to look at it. But like, who who do you immediately look at on this roster in 2023 that should be here in 2024 based on their current contract, but probably is going to become a cap casualty? That's a tough one because I honestly don't think that they're going to need to have a cap casualty. Well, that's a fantastic spot to be in. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone, maybe it's use check. It depends on his play. But I, I still don't. I, I would say none of them. They're in such a great shape right now that, yes, 2024 looks like it might be a problem because they're going to be over the cap again for the next year because they've got uh, Talanoa Ufanga, he's going to get a pay raise because of making the Pro Bowl for next year. When the cap is set, we'll know how much he's gotten, uh, getting extra. You also have Diamador Lenore, Elijah Mitchell, and Aaron Banks from the 2021 class that could see pay raises based on the percentage of uh, playing time they get. And that affects the following year, right? So if they play yep. like 80% plus snaps this year, they see the bump gonna, next year. Yep, exactly. Okay, and it that's happens when the team. In their, yeah, it happens in their final year of their contract. Okay. Well, I mean, that's an envious spot to be in. Hey, keep me honest. I know they've been – they didn't officially announce that they were picking up Ayuk's fifth year, right? They just said right. that they it's likely. Yeah, they said they're planning on picking it okay. up. Do you think – you think they're doing it? So I lied. I have two more questions for you, man. I hope you want to stick around for a little while. I'm having fun with you. So That's I appreciate fine. you taking out That's time. Yeah. Um, do you think they they pick it up with the intent to to make a move pre-draft? Or do you I, – because I personally believe Ayuk is part of the long-term plan here, more so than Debo, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I think that because they can play with the numbers right now, right? Like they don't have to renegotiate yet unless he wants to get cute and hold out and do all that stuff. But do you think they pick it up with the the inkling to move on, or do you think he's part of the long-term plan here as well? He's part of the long-term plan. He should be. Yeah. Dude's a dog. He's, he's a dog. He's the best 
route running receiver. He's the most, the best pure receiver. He is receiver number one. Now, I believe they can be both him and Debo. But what's going to happen is you're probably going to see Trent Williams retire, which is going to help. But then that leaves another hole, though. A big hole. That left tackle, big time. We've been spoiled since, what, 2000? When did Staley come? Six? Seven? seven? 2007. Yeah. I mean, we've had... uh, Willis. The year Patrick Willis. I miss Patrick Willis so much. Me too. God, he was so good. You know who I really miss that could have changed some things for us in those years of hell in like 15, 16, 17? Chris Borland, who just went and hung it up after a year, dude. Yep. I mean, that was a steal. What was he, a third-round pick? Third-round pick. Balled out his first year. Decided that uh, he was going to hang up because he didn't want to risk – Injuries, the CTE, head injuries. And I respect apart, it. Yeah, I don't I don't blame the guy. He did repay his signing bonus back, the part that he didn't earn, the three years that he basically retired. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I just – I remember Mike Mayock's draft analysis. So this is pre-general manager Mike Mayock, right? This is draft yeah. analyst Mike Mayock yeah. for the NFL Network. Yeah. And when they drafted Borland, he's like, I don't care. Too small, too slow, blah, 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 blah. This dude can play football. And boy, was he right when that guy got on the field, man. Yeah. He was just a, a – a, but you know what? I understand why he wanted to walk from the away from the game because – to play at that level, he had to play more violently than most people, and it was a violent brand of football. Like, I played football my whole life, dude. I will never let my son put on pads until he's, like, begging for it. Like, I am not going to push him into right. this game. It's, bro, it's so fast. It's so physical. I literally believe – I know this will never happen because there's too much revenue behind it, but I believe that in my little mind in the, that I live in, in, like, 20 years, the NFL actually won't even exist anymore just because of just what we'll find out about CTE and the long-term ramifications. Like, yeah. it's going to be a rel- – like, you know, the, all these uber athletes, these top one percenters in the world of athleticism, go play basketball. Go play baseball. You can play for 15 years and make $200 million more than you're making playing in the NFL. You exactly. Know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's going to yeah. happen. I, I just believe that. But I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon because, I mean, yeah. dude, you remember, you got, we're the same age, right? Like when we grew up watching football, these dudes killed each other, killed each other. Yeah. Helmet yeah. to helmet they wasn't were... even a thing. You were cheering no. for it. <laughs> yeah, you were cheering for helmet to helmet. Now you're, you're like, oh, you know, you don't want to see that because you're afraid for the guy. Because, you know, what happened with Tamar Hamlin was so, that had me. You know, I'm glad he's doing better. Me too, man. That that's one of those can come back. I think. Listen, I you never want anybody to be like the. I don't have a better term for this, so I apologize if it comes off the wrong way. Like the sacrificial lamb, and what I mean by that is like it took some every once in a while it takes something very unfortunate to open people's eyes, right? Like that we love this game, but let me be very clear about it: it's a game. You know what I mean? It's it's. It's a game that we invest or a lot of money is invested into these athletes to be entertainers and things of that nature. But strip all of that. These are human beings just like you and I. 
And I think exactly. I think even to the most critical fan, right? Because we see there's, there's some disgusting fans out there, dude. That just like oh, don't yeah. care about the person yeah. and the people and whatever. Yeah. And I, you know, it is what it is. But like, even in that moment, right? Like, you feel like those people are are corrected for just a, a quick second to be like, this could happen to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Dude, it was a routine tackle. Like, it was literally just yeah. a routine yeah. tackle that he got squared up yeah. on. And a one in a billion thing happened, you know? Yep. All right. My final question for you for real this time, Jason. Okay. What do you make of the the gift that is the 49ers that keeps on giving? And re- I had a buddy say it to me today, the, 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 two, the three certainties in life are death, taxes, and a 49er quarterback controversy. What do you make of the John Lynch yesterday, Kyle Shanahan today comments? And where does your mind sit with what the – what the expectations are around the quarterback position heading into the 2023 season. Yeah, I, I truly believe Trey Lance will start week one because I don't think Brock Purdy's going to have the time to be able to get the reps in. And I mean, it, it could happen with Darnold. He, he, he could win the starting job. I don't think he does. I think Trey Lance is a starter week one. And I'm just like, my mind's going crazy thinking, you know, what what's happening with the quarterback situation? This is every single year it's happening now. It's like we have the worst luck with injuries. Yeah. And, you know, first Trey goes down, then Jimmy goes down. And then Brock gets hurt. And then Josh Johnson gets hurt. And you've got McCaffrey at quarterback. And then, you know, you had Brock back in, but just handing off because he he, he, he couldn't throw. Yeah. If he tried to throw the ball, he would have had – that would have made it worse and it would have made a Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I – thank God it wasn't. I, I know you th- yeah. and I probably think the same way. At the end of the day, I don't care if it's – Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, Jim Druckenmiller, or any of the other busted <laughs> quarterbacks we've drafted along the way that I've been a fan, I'm rooting for you. Point yeah. blank, right? Like, yep. I don't have a dog mm-hmm. in the race. Like, I don't have a favorite. Nope. I'm going to root for who it is. My logic comes into this based on how, you know, Brock played at the end of the year. He deserves to be the, as John Lynch put it, the clubhouse favorite, right? Like, he earned that. Exactly. He's got the biggest body of work to date. The thing that I think perplexes me is because I agree with you. I think it's Trey is QB one. Let me let me let me rephrase this. Is the starting quarterback week one? And yeah. I don't because I just don't think Brock's gonna be back. And if I, I don't buy I don't subscribe to literally anything John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan say because I A, I don't yeah. believe them to ever be on the same page. I believe they try to disguise one another and just leave things yep. there baffling. Mm-hmm. Whether it's intentional or not it's just what happens so i don't i don't buy into what they're saying what i might the optics tell me is we know nothing about brock purdy's recovery timeline nothing we have never seen yeah, no. the ucl injury no. at this scale before it's not an acl right it's a ucl i don't yep. think he's even if he is healthy and able to participate with a week or two left in training camp you're really going to go start that guy week one like he's not lamar he jackson he's not patrick he mahomes he's not these guys no. It's not Josh Allen. And not. if he is your 
future quarterback using the terms that they use in terms of looking into the future, you're really going to rush that guy in for two, three games that might jeopardize the next two or three years. Like that doesn't logically make sense. And listen, I find Sam Darnold to actually be, I think he's played on shitty teams. Like, I don't know how else to say that. Oh yeah. 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 I find him to be competent in moments. Yeah. I think it, I think it's possible that he can steal reps from Trey if he doesn't ascend. But I think from now until September, whatever kickoff date, Trey Lance is going to be given every opportunity to say, Hey dude, go prove that you are worth that number three pick. Because at the end of the day, if you perform lights out in those first few weeks, we don't ever have to go back to Brock if we don't want to, because we have nothing invested in it other than a, yeah. the, the last pick of the draft, you know, in the previous yeah. year paying him. What, what's, what's, what's Brock's salary right now, dude, honestly, it's, it's like, it's, it's probably laughable. It's like 700,000. It's like eight. It's like 900. It's not even. It's eight seventy. Yeah, eight eight seventy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's laughable how much that he's being paid compared to uh to, to Trey. I mean, and still, Trey's still being paid not a lot of money either. We have like one of the lowest amount uh, allocated to the quarterback room because we don't have a high paid quarterback. We have like what 16 million and change to the entire quarterback position. I think that's like the number Jimmy yeah. carried last year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Mediocre quarterbacks are making that in a year. And that's what we have three quarterbacks under contract for a single year. But that gift is only that's, that's short lived, right? Like eventually if one of yep. these guys becomes the guy, they get paid next man up just the way that it works. And then that window, unless you have, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you know, like those type of Justin Herbert, those types of talent that elevate your team, you need a quarterback on a rookie contract to be able to have superstars around him or it's an issue. Exactly. Yep. All right, dude. Jason, I appreciate you so much. One more time um, before we get out of here, let everybody know where they can find you at on Twitter, your website, everything. Yep. Go to 49erscap.com. That's my website. And at 49erscap on Twitter. Follow me and I follow back everybody. Yes, he does. I, I can I can vouch for that firsthand. That's how we got here into this scenario mm-hmm. this evening. Jason, I appreciate the time, the insights, just the conversation, man. I had a great time chatting with you. I, I know we're both. Yep. I know you love the business side. I love the entertainment side. But at the end of the day, we're just both fans of the the same team yep. when you really boil yep. it down. And and that's what matters most. I love interacting with other 49er fans. But that wraps us us uh, wraps us up for this evening. I'm Weston Smith. This is Island 49 that you have landed on this evening, brought to you by the We're Talking Football podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at wtfpodnfl.com. Hit the likes, hit the subscribes, get the notifications. You'll see it in the bottom left and bottom right of your screen. More to come. I would definitely welcome Jason back, especially as we get closer to the season and talk about some cap ramifications. Of course, if he's willing definitely. to spend another 45 minutes of to an course. hour of his time of with course. me. Um, I, always, I always set that as the precursor. But again, Jason, can't thank you enough. Appreciate you. We'll be chatting soon, thank my you. friend.